All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Agbrett, and joined with me with our hotel talks for the week is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. You know, these hotel talks are kind of fun. I just wish we didn't have the hotel room. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wish we could be like on the water or maybe in the expo. Maybe that's something we can figure out the next couple mornings. If there's We've been service. trying to figure that out for the past two weeks. Everything yeah. just keeps changing. Yeah, it it is what it is. We probably could have done this morning at the launch because it wasn't that bad. Weather was actually pretty nice today. Yeah. It's actually um, I went for a walk and grabbed some coffee from the local coffee shop this morning, and uh, it was pretty pleasant outside compared to yesterday. I think yesterday was much colder. Yeah, yesterday was it, that wind was kind of pretty. It was crushing. I mean, we could tell. We could tell the the evening we got in Tuesday that it was going to be pretty windy the next coming morning. Um, so yeah, I mean, for people on YouTube, but yes, you know, you guys are stuck listening to us <laughs> or wa- I should say watching us in our hotel room again <laughs> talking through this. Yeah. But if you're listening, I guess it really doesn't matter where you guys see or where we're doing this shindig from. But before we get into obviously today is day two of Major League Fishing Redcrest on Lake Norman. Uh, the guys are out fishing again today. Uh, seems like almost like a slower start today, but a better start in regards to size. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. And I, I think it has something to do with the cold front that came through two days ago. It's the second day post-frontal. And on top of it, you have a full moon. So with the clear skies, those fish fed all night. I would expect um, the afternoon bite to be key and critical for a lot of these anglers at 12 to 3.30 time frame. So third period, that three-hour allotment time is when they're going to catch them, I think, the best. Yeah, I think the – I mean, we saw it yesterday, the last period, like Dustin Connell literally with one second left lifting his fish out of the boat to get 17 pounds, biggest bag yesterday leading into today. Right now, it's got Brian Thrift that's coming over on top. And actually, we'll pull up for you folks that are watching on YouTube. Uh, that way, we're keeping some tabs here. We got uh, the score tracker going on the screen as well. Um, right now, I mean, Thrift's back on top, which, I mean, I don't think anybody's surprised by that. No. But uh, before we start talking about Red Crest and start talking about what's going on fishing-wise and start going down rabbit holes, um, two things. For you guys, you probably heard it in the ad prior to clicking on this episode. Is Do It Molds running a sale from it started this past Monday until this Sunday, the twelfth? You guys can get fifteen percent off your entire order. Uh, this excludes kits. Mm-hmm. You cannot use the code on kits because you're already saving a good amount of money when you buy the kits that Do It Molds has set for you guys. But Everything else, 15% off. Use code SERIOUS15. Uh, it's down in the show descriptions. Uh, you're saving a big bang for your buck, which you're already saving money on Do It Molds anyways. Yeah. Pretty good deal. And one of my favorite things to do with Do It Molds is to buy, like, the powder coating paint because you can dip. You can also you can make your own jig heads with the Do It Mold heads, but you can also take, like, any brand of company jig heads that you buy out there that are just plain lead and you can dip them and color them the way that you want with the powder coat paint so that's pretty cool it is have you tried well that's probably a really dumb question have you tried it with tungsten yet i have not tried it with tungsten because you had to heat it so hot and i just don't have the equipment to do it in my house to yeah, get it's probably it hot a dumb enough. question yeah it's not dumb. <laughs> it's a good question it's a very good question so but uh lead works really well with the powder coat paints with, lead, right. with tungsten, you're probably better off finding a way to paint it, like a spray paint. So what you're saying, just for people that are tuning in, is like you buy, you buy like an, an owner football head or an owner whatever round ball yep. that's already like poured for you. Yep. And essentially you can now dye that or paint that head. Yep. You just powder coat it. So heat up the head, dip it in your powder coat and hang it in a toaster oven. So a little lighter to it or a yep. torch type deal? Yep, like a lighter or a torch, heat it up to a point where you don't melt the lead so it doesn't fall on you, and you just dip it in your powder, shake it off, and then hang it to go, and you can make any cool color jig head that you want. That must be – we got to include that in the next coming doing old stuff that we do. Just like if you got a bunch of jig heads lying around there, gammies or whatever, Kytex, yeah. you want to change the color. Well, well not I think, Kytex, but <clears throat> – Kytex tungsten, isn't it? G- Gammy does have a round ball head that I know our local – tackle shop they have them in there and uh you can paint those and dip them if you wanted you could probably get them on omnia too which is our next thing we wanted to talk about so 
Well, yeah, I mean, before we get that, or you can just go our favorite route, which is we pour our own stuff with oh. our own hooks. Oh, absolutely. Which is the best way to do. Yeah, 100%, which is fun. But for those who do not have the pouring equipment, but you can buy it now because you have this 15% off code to save you some money. If you just have some old jig heads laying around in boxes, you can paint them up pretty quickly and easily with some powder coat paint through do it molds, which I believe that 15% off works on. Yeah, we, we have a great episode uh business from the bass boat on the serious angler network that deacon runs over there uh if you guys have not listened to business from the bass boat uh that those shows are down in the description he did a show with the dupe molds folks talking about uh basically the startup cost but then over time literally how much money you save it, it looks when you get set up with this stuff obviously it can look like a decent cost when it comes to it's, it's like a hefty tackle order almost when you're getting started once you get started, it's a one-time cost. Yep. It's really all. I think your only recurring cost would be hooks and, and lead. lead. Yep. And that's really it because you get the molds, you get the setup going, you're good to go. Uh, and then this is just a way to make that upfront cost even cheaper so that when once you're already saving money, you're, you know, it's just an easier way to save even more money than you already are with doing molds. But And it's fun to do it yourself and you can start finding little things that work best for you and some of the molds are actually pretty easy to modify as well. Something I haven't tinkered with, but I do have some friends that do modify their molds to take different hooks and et cetera, that you can really make whatever you want from a single mold and make it the way you want it or you think would be best. I scooch this way a little bit. That way you're in view. Oh, yeah. People going, I mean, it's probably good for the people because I can't see, you know, yeah, the other half of your face. I'm not breaking but... everyone's computers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They got most of the score tracker on the screen right now instead of our, our dumb faces. But uh, to your point, we were getting into Omnia Fishing. Uh, they are, we literally got an email this morning. Um, we're telling you guys they're running a pretty sweet deal on Daiwa Tatula bait casters, specifically the SVs. If so, if you want to save 30% off, a Daiwa Tatula SV-103. So that specific model that they're having a sale off. 30% off. Use code all caps March SV. No spaces. March SV. M-A-R-C-H-S-V on Omnia Fishing. And then if you're going to get more stuff in addition to that reel, we obviously have discount codes. Or if you haven't used the order with us, you can use Sirius, uh, Sirius First. All caps, no spaces. Sirius First. Get 15% off your entire first order with us. And every order after that from unlimited amount of uses, it's Series 10. Yeah. And then they have, what, 25% off line right now, too? Is that I what believe, it is? I think yeah. that's still run. Yep. They're, they're always running sales. If you guys, I mean, if you haven't yet, uh, especially if you're a tackle hoarder like Andy and I am, and you want to get the best shipping in the game, and especially from a customer experience standpoint, uh, if you're always ordering tackle, if you haven't signed up for Omni emails, literally they are running sales all the time. The two-day shipping is quite incredible. Well, yeah, and especially like 25% offline. I'm a yeah. huge, avid Seagar uh, Invisex user. Yeah. That's all I use, basically, besides Gamma. And I literally, that 25% off saves you so much money online. Yeah. So much money. Because I, I don't buy like one pack or two packs. I go and buy like 20. Yeah. Well, whenever or like I the giant scores. It's always like three four hundred dollars in line whenever i order it because i want it to come and then i can leave it there when i need it to so i don't have to keep reordering it and then worry about it being out of stock because line is one of those things as a tournament angler we change constantly so i i'm a big fan and advocate of buying bulk spools i i run through fluorocarbon like wait it's bad it's really bad like you put mono backing on your reels so you're not filling your spool full. No, I don't even do that. I just go straight floor carbon the entire oh, thing. What a waste of line. It is a waste, but <laughs> here we are. Just wanna, I just want a crisp, very crisp. I don't know. I've done the I've done the whole leader or like do half the thing braid, tie a knot and do floral, and I've either had that knot break or I get backlash because that knot is getting in the way. Mm. Where it's like I guess it depends on what application. If you're flipping, yeah, it makes perfect sense. To like have the smaller spool size, you know, fill it up halfway, especially if you're only going out, you know, 20 yards of line because you're just it's your designated flipping reel. But like, if I'm deep cranking that type of thing, I'm going straight fluorocarbon the entire sucker. It's fair, you know what I'm saying? Because it's just like I don't want anything messing with that reel, and I'm probably doing something wrong, which is perfectly fair because I do a lot of things wrong, but yeah, don't we all? But, anyways, we should probably get to the point of why we're here, and that's recapping. 
day one and talking about day two, right, of Redcrest. Well, you don't like BSing around and having people listen to us talk about everything but fishing? Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's fine, but... <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, this, was... is, this is hotel talks, guys. This is literally the conversations we have when we're not recording. Yeah, it, um, the banter never ends. No, no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> Whether it's mimosas in the morning or beers at night, or we're literally just doing nothing during the day. Uh, but again, a big shout out to you, Major League Fishing for putting us up here this week. Uh, excited to go hit uh, take off and take it, and where they uh, where they when they take out take in out. the afternoons, and then tomorrow starts the expo. Yeah, I'm actually really intrigued to see how the it's going to be the second year ever they've done the expo, uh, and I personally think it's in a much better location than Tulsa last year, which is interesting because Classic is going to Tulsa next year. Yeah, but I I think they they're at a disadvantage in Tulsa. I don't know. I just don't think it's like a very I mean, I could be totally wrong here, but I don't think I don't view it as a very fishy town. Whereas Charlotte, like you have Norman right here. Yeah, and it's tough to say. Like Oklahoma is a huge bass bass fishing state, and it's close enough to the border of Texas that they'll pull people over from Texas. I'm honestly surprised that the expo wasn't bigger last year because I believe when the class first year too. Yeah, first year expo. I believe when the classic has gone there in the past, it's been pretty big. But it'll be interesting to see how that changes next year. But we probably, since we're here, an MLF tournament, um, I'm very excited about the Expo and what it's going to look like tomorrow and through the weekend. I hope it's a really good turnout. Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously keep everybody updated on what things are looking like and how things are going. Right now we're watching Brent Ayler reeling another bass. Obviously he was tied. Uh, well, no, he was tied until literally one second left on the yeah. score tracker yesterday with Dustin Connell. Uh, looks like he's reeling it. I can't tell if he's got a limit yet. Um, but yesterday was interesting. I think everybody had a fish. I can't can't remember if, um, gosh, who's who's the guy that was last that didn't have a bass? David Walker. David Walker. Okay, David Walker was I think was the only one on the score tracker. He did. Oh, so maybe there's something up with the score tracker. Or he's in an area of bad. Yeah, that's odd. But yeah, so basically everybody caught fish yesterday, which is pretty on par for what Lake Norman's known for uh, having fish. I'm sure everybody caught ridiculous amount of non-scorables, which again, which at the minimum is one seven, which I find interesting. We talked about that on yesterday's show. So if you haven't uh, checked that one out, our day one show uh, that is yesterday. Again, we're guys, we're doing shows the rest of the week. So we're going to do have a show today, have a show tomorrow, and then we will potentially have a show Saturday and or Sunday. We haven't really made up our minds just yet. I guess it really depends on, you know, what goes down show wise, how busy the expo is um, and who's able to come join us. We might have some guests trying to join us here um, because obviously we don't want to just put out content to put out content. Obviously we want to have something to talk about. So you guys aren't listening to us ramble like we did the first 10 minutes of this show. <laughs> What's wrong with rambling? But, well, there's uh, rambling and like talking about something that people might enjoy, but then there's rambling and then listening to our conversations with some people think we're crazy. We are, we're fishermen. All fishermen are crazy. So let's be real there. But um, day one recap, right? Like, did anything stand out to you that you found surprising from day one? I, I find it surprising that Dustin Connell's pattern. Granted, towards the end of the day, it was very junk fishing because I think he was trying different things because no, there's no pressure, which is now he's in 15th place, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I think he started off the morning low today doing completely what he ended his day on yesterday because he said he doesn't want to burn the area he found. I think he stumbled upon that yesterday and was like, oh, wow, how did I miss this? Yeah, he literally said, I never did this in practice. Yeah. How did I not find this in practice? Yeah. Which is literally just throwing a jerkbait around. It looked like, I want to say, secondary points in cuts yeah, or in and, creeks. And there could have been like drains coming out of those ditches or whatnot coming into the main lake that he found those fish on. Well, yeah. Flats. They had Britt Myers out there talking about uh, how one ditches and secondary points are a big one. But from a dock standpoint, obviously Lake Norman's a big dock lake, but the, the docks that I have or the docks that have been dredged in order to get those boats on those docks, those are the best ones, which is a very intriguing thing to talk about because I feel like it's very specific to, to, to the Carolinas in general. Like, I feel like that's, I could be wrong. There might be other locations that they do that in, but the, 
they literally dredge that specific little section of a lake uh, to accommodate for the boat on that dock. Well, Meaning, I, so I like, say if they dredge the entire area, I think they just dredge this a part of the dock out and make like a little ditch. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at. So like, when say say the bank is three foot, we have a dock on it. Under that dock specifically, maybe it might be one or two feet out from each end of the or each side of the dock. It'll be like seven, like it, it'll be significantly deeper, and you could tell that. You can even tell by the water color. Uh, they they showed a great depiction of it yesterday when they had Britt Myers out on the water, where you can see you could see bottom on each side of the dock, but then it's like this clear tint blue where you couldn't even see the bottom coming out from the dock and into the channel which I think that is like so clutch because it's almost creating these small pinch points for you, especially for those early spring fish. You got pinch points and then you can work your way up as the day goes on. These fish will probably work their way back under that dock, which it's just like, it's a funnel. Yeah. But it gives those uh, fish a place to sit on. I mean, theoretically, if you think about it, depending on if those are closer to the Creek mouse, those fish only have to go a hundred yards their entire life. And now because they dredge it out, now they have spawning flats too that they can spawn on right next to it. Yeah, literally they spawn right on the dock. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's clutch. I think that's one what DC found yesterday, but also two. Uh, basically, he's he's extremely proficient with forward-facing sonar. Um, Jacob Wheeler's back on top. Shocker, seeing that name up there. Um, <laughs> pretty used to seeing that past few years. But in, in my mind, like what he was doing – was he was running a lot. I think he was running and gunning a little bit more than we saw other guys doing in regards to one really nailing on that jerk bait bite on the secondary points. Uh, he caught a couple around marinas as well. Whereas we saw like a lot of guys doing like what Jacob's doing now, where he's just drop shotting these fish. I, I can't tell what exactly Jacob's fishing. I think he's probably the most proficient right now of the, of this field offshore. I think he's the only one really fishing offshore. It's what it looks like, at least from what we can tell. Like even thrift is like fishing brush piles in creek, like in the in the creeks themselves. I can't tell how far back thrift is in those creeks, but I mean Wheeler's the only one we're seeing that isn't on the bank. But I see now in second place Cody Meyer. I, I, yeah, they haven't had the camera on him yet, but I would imagine Cody he, probably doing something similar. He's fishing docks with is a fishing docks? Senko. Yeah, I mean he's like the spotted mass, spotted bass. You know, oh he's God. good. He's good, yeah, and he's up there catching them shallow. So. Yeah, I, I just think that. So to get, get back to your question, it's so long winded. Uh, it's a good thing it's a podcast and not, yeah. Well, basically, what I'm trying to get at is his pattern. I think over the weekend, it's interesting. It's two pronged, right? The it's going to be colder throughout the weekend, so that's where I view his pattern as something that you can hold up better. But it's going to be overcast, so I think. It's going to be interesting to see if those fish change in regards to the, the water column of where they sit. If he's able to still be able to run into as many fish, because at least with the sun, when the waters get colder, they'll at least relate more to things. Whereas when it's overcast, they'll be more in the abyss and kind of be random. And I don't know how well, and I'm sure they're going to eat the jerk bait, but they're not gonna be able to see the jerk bait as good as they could if it was sunny, but he, he might even mix it up. Their little swim bait on them, that type of deal. Yeah. Tomorrow. So Friday, I believe there's going to be rain coming and then Sunday will be cold, cloudy and rainy. So I think tomorrow when the weights reset, you're going to see a big shift in the standings. I have a, I just have this gut feeling that guys that are chasing largemouth and getting a couple big bites a day, or like that one big largemouth bite a day and catching a bunch of like one and three quarter pound spots are really going to do well tomorrow. And I have a funny feeling the offshore bite might even disappear, not disappear, but really dissipate tomorrow. And if somebody can survive tomorrow, make it to Saturday, like a Jacob Wheeler, I think Saturday is going to be the day that Jacob Wheeler is really going to have to lean on him for Sunday to really have a shot at this with the offshore spotted bass game. Because that's all he's been doing the entire event so far. I don't know if he has anything shallow. Yeah, and so <clears throat> the reason you say that is because tonight is the warmest night. Yeah. But I think that there's still like there's still a lot of fish in that pre-spawn phase. We're seeing these guys catch some really fat fish. I think I think the one day isn't going to affect them that much. I think the largemouth guys tomorrow is your best day. 
because of the sun, but and also the warmth. But I think that offshore deal isn't going to go away, in my personal opinion, because that coal is going to kick them right back. Yeah, I don't think one day would send the entire lake up. The only thing I'm worried about is the clouds. It's going to make them scatter more. They're not going to be right. so tight to cover. Like if Jacob Wheeler's fishing offshore brush, it might be harder to get those bites to activate, like to get those fish to activate on a cloudy day. And well, it's not going to help out. shallow either. Yeah, but I mean, the one benefit to fishing shallow is you can cover a lot more water quicker and just pray that you get five to six bites. Yeah, I mean, I think to a sense, though, you could apply that offshore. Like, he's not just fishing the abyss. You know, he's it's hard spots, it's humps, it's brush piles. Like, there's specific things he's fishing where you can essentially go and do the same thing. He's, I mean, he's easily probably one of the best offshore fishermen on the planet right now in regards to being able to build a milk run that is efficient from a time standpoint and also being able to know when to pick up the trolling motor and when to stick around. Like, I think he's one that could go and run 30 different spots in a period just by running, getting on the trolling motor, panning around live, seeing and acknowledging what is going on there, and then he's gone if they're not yeah, there. It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, for it'll sure. Make, it's going to make good TV content for everyone who's viewing in. I, I really think you're going to see guys scrambling a lot more tomorrow. I mean, there was guys scrambling yesterday. It's, it's going to be interesting. Like, spotted bass lakes are always intriguing to me. One, because I don't understand them to its fullest capacity, obviously, because we're dumb, no- dumb New Yorkers, dumb yeah. northern people that are used to dumb bass. <laughs> so if you're a dumb, you probably can understand dumb bass, but these bass seem a little bit smarter. Yeah, a little bit. That's probably why I don't understand them, because I'm not smart. But either way, uh, what do you think comes Sunday? And I know obviously you're you're leaning on the the shallow guys doing well tomorrow. I agree they'll do better tomorrow. But what do you think is going to be Sunday? Looks interesting mm-hmm. because it's going to be the coldest day. It's like a high of what forty six or something like that. Yeah, forty six in rain. Oh God, do you think? Well, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Like, I th- what do you think one is going to be the winning bag? I know you talked about it a little bit yesterday, but one winning bag, but then two from a technique standpoint, like if you were hit with those conditions, how, what are you adjusting, if adjusting at all? I think at that point, having very limited experience down south, I would stick to my guns. A winning weight because I think they add the three days together, right? Like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think yeah. they add the three weights together. So I'm going to go. I think it's going to take an average of roughly 15 pounds a day. So the winning weight is going to be around that 45 pound mark, 44 to 46 pounds. Um, Saturday will be the day that the guy, somebody's going to catch up good bag. Like Connell did yesterday, like that 16 to 18 pound bag. Oh, so you don't think it's going to affect him at all? No. Because first or second place yesterday was 15 pounds. Yeah. I I think tomorrow, somebody, will, whoever leads tomorrow will have about 15 pounds. I think on Saturday, someone's going to catch a bigger bag because Saturday is going to be, I think Saturday is not that cold. It's going to be almost 60 with sun on Saturday. So, I don't know. It, I think it's going to be an afternoon bite. Somebody's going to get lucky and catch a couple big ones in the afternoon on Saturday. Why not tomorrow? Tomorrow's the warmest day. Tomorrow, well, today's the warm day, right? Like, oh, tomorrow's going to be 62. uh, The warmest night. Yeah, tonight's the warm night. So, yeah, tomorrow could be the same deal, I guess. I think tomorrow's the biggest day from a largemouth standpoint. I think the largemouth will bite better in the clouds and rain, personally, than the spots will. So, I mean, tomorrow might be a day that you see Edwin Evers start to get a little bit of a lead because he's... He just caught another big largemouth today. He's the one that's consistently catching big largemouth. Um, as we started, I think, like, at 10 minutes into our episode, I think he caught, like, a four- or five-pounder largemouth. Can we fact-check that? Yeah. Oh, I watched it. It was up there. It was a big one. So Evers' big bass is a 305. So Yeah, it was a big largemouth, though. Even other people's fish, Andy, you're always making them sound bigger than they are. 
Sorry. Like, it's hard on a little computer screen that's 15 feet away. Okay? I know. I'm giving you a hard time. Andy Andy is my Iconelli when it comes to everything. Fish. Everything is big because I'm excited about everything. And he sets it like, oh, it's a big one. And, and I'm like, two never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But I mean, like a three pound. If I can't you, knock the excitement. If somebody can catch two or three three pound largemouth in this um, derby, they're going to separate themselves from the field. See, I'm gonna so I'm gonna go flip side. I'm gonna say tomorrow there's gonna be big bag is gonna be 16, and then it's gonna be. I think Saturday you could see a 15, 16, but Sunday I think it's gonna be tops, 13 and a half, 14 pounds. Yeah. It's gonna be who the guy who wins it has. Yeah, today you're gonna see guys fish extremely conservative, especially the ones that are like, okay, I have 12 pounds ready. I know I'm going to qualify, and they're not going to want to burn their fish to the ground. Yeah, this next period, we got 13 minutes left in period one. This next period, I'd be very surprised to see uh, your guys at the top, like Wheeler and them, have a camera still. Yeah, I... um, I'd be surprised if they don't go down to the cut line. Yeah, they're going to start making moves. I think you're going to start seeing Wheeler and Thrift, Evers. They're going to start practicing, but I think Evers only has four fish right now on the day yeah he just needs one more and he's in third which is if he catches a two pounder him and ayler and the only ones in the top 10 that don't have a limit today which is good yeah and i think for them for anyone who's in the top 10 if they can get to that 12 pound mark they're gonna lay off when connell's in 12th with only two fish which that's pretty good too yeah that's a i don't think he's too worried no that'll that was spot right spot yeah that's got a big head on the that's a big spot what do you think what do you call him well, it'll be hard to hear it, so <laughs> I'm going to say that's a 214. Yeah. 314. 314? Oh, it's not that big. Are we taking bets? That's I'm a, going 314. That's a three-pounder. Let's see. Fish. Let's see if they if they put it up here. You know, it'd probably be easier if I just checked it on my phone. Right. Uh, I'll grab you got mine it? real fast, yeah. All right. Whoever loses buys a beer first today. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> We've already consumed enough of those to supply me for a week. So. <laughs> Andy's enjoying his time away from his, his no kid week. Guess how big it was? I guess 314. 214. No, it's not. 214. That's such bullshit. <laughs> how was that 214? Pony up, big boy. <laughs> Pony up. <laughs> My 215 on Hartwell looked way smaller than that thing. Yeah, so I have to remember it's a TV and camera angles. They know how to make them look big. This and, isn't a wide angle. And now Evers is going practicing for the day as he lands his fifth fish. That's probably a two-pounder. I can't even see. So if if anybody is in the area and wants to uh, talk some crap with us while we watch this, by all means, uh, come hang out. But uh, we are going to be at the X2 Power Booth all weekend from Friday to Sunday. Uh, we'll be floating around at the Expo, of course, but we'll be predominantly at the X2 Power Booth. If you guys want to come by, say hello, check out some, uh, some pretty sweet new AGM lithium batteries. Uh, we got some news coming next week on some cool stuff coming from them. Kind of let the cat roll. out of the bag there. but Free new will... drum roll. <laughs> X2 Power comes out with new baits. Well, I believe on an episode <laughs> earlier in couple months ago or with the sean kind of alluded to it as well when he was on so if i remember correctly yeah go back and listen to that that was our first episode of the year yeah that was our first episode it's already been it's been a couple months yeah things are getting by me fast (laughs) time flies boys time flies especially when you have a three and a half year old at home so i was just joking saying yeah x2 powers come out with baits but there's been it's like interesting seeing some companies that go completely out of the realm that they're already in mm-hmm. and try to make something completely different. Like like looking at uh like like a Dobbin spinnerbait. Is it a spinnerbait or is it spinner a spinnerbait? Bait? They have spinnerbaits, football jigs, and I think swim jigs. I heard actually their spinnerbaits really good. They are. Like it's just it's intriguing to me how you just see these companies come out of the blue. They only make like one or two things. Like it's it's I don't know. I always find that interesting. Or like companies that don't have like anything fishing wise, like I'm trying to think. There's an example on the top of my head, but I'm forgetting about it. But there's like companies that will, will, you know, they'll make like kayaks and they come out and they're like, oh, here, here's a rod. 
what expertise or credibility do you have to yeah. you know that's just kind of brought someone in and they helped design it but like oh okay <laughs> intriguing yeah very intriguing one thing that always i always find interesting is when you have like a predominant hard bait company and then all of a sudden they're like oh we're coming out with a new line of soft plastics that one always mm. is interesting to me because you know as fishermen we see ourselves as good that's what it was try to be gamagatsu they came out with some uh, saltwater baits yeah last year well, like i thought that was interesting but aren't spro and gamagatsu kind of tied together and spro which is I mean, yeah but they were gamagatsu line. company and now they're coming out with soft baits see that makes more sense to me though whereas gamagatsu has always been a terminal and they randomly come out with saltwater baits yeah like which it, was like they try to come out with a scent line too which was interesting yeah it's like a it was like an ultra scent or something and i was like this looks oddly going after max scent i don't know i thought that was interesting i could be butchering that name yeah, wrong companies but. need to adapt and evolve and that's what they try to do and adapt and copy boys and, copy and paste well that's the fishing industry in general like it's very not copy saying, and paste it's it's not so copy and paste because they make their own little minute changes to bait so it's not exact t but it's you, pretty copy you will see a lot of copy it's like 95 copy and paste let's be real and then, okay let's throw in this new extra rib line or or change the fang on we, the tail. it's not the same bait guys we added one appendage to it <laughs> i mean i understand it though like as much as i'm sitting here like joking about it um there is something to acknowledge acknowledging that a company made a great bait but through a bait engineer uh somebody that has that mindset of that's uh, like their job right making baits is like it's as good but i can make this better which like we're seeing right now we were talking about yesterday the berkeley stunna mm-hmm. all these guys are throwing it like yeah. you're seeing it on there and the guys that aren't even sponsored by berkeley which people were kind of knocking that they were berkeley was they, they kind of get a rap every now and then for going after like copying other baits but, but they took the stunna they took it and like they're, they're, these guys aren't using. I'm sure they have them on deck. Yeah, they're, we we're not seeing them throw a Vision 110 right now, which is wild in a jerkbait derby. Like, which just tells you, like, you can take a product from an engineering innovation segment and make it tweak it to make it slightly better as your own. I swear, like the bait that originally started the entire jerkbait phase, right, was a Smithwick rattling rogue. Then I mm-hmm. went to a 110. Well, what do those baits do? They slow float suspend, depending on water temp. And the stunna slow sinks, so it's completely different. Has a completely a different ability straight out of the package than a lot of other suspending jerk baits, which makes it different. And that's the power of it. It's a, it's an action that these fish don't normally see unless you are really good at tuning jerk baits and making them slow sink at the proper speed. I think that, but I also think forward facing sonar has a big thing to do with it because these guys are now like you have, uh, you have suspend strips and you have, you had like lead strips and things where you can get that things to go, you know, have your bait sink where I think this one as a bait itself, it already sinks not even like too fast, but at like a perfect rate where these guys are like, okay, you know, my one ten plus one, you know, gets down to, you know, 10 foot. The stunner, I can literally let it sink to, to 16 feet, yeah. and I can access these this deeper brush pile now with a jerk bait. Especially if you like, if you people that are good at tinkering, you can you put different trebles and different things on to have that sink a little bit faster to be able to or to slower. access. You can put a different trouble on and learn how to make it sink slower. So, I, I think that's I think though that is the biggest reason why I I, I really you know the, obviously the action's a little bit different on the stunner than the 110 division 110 but i think that's the biggest proponent of it in my personal opinion yeah, is forward facing sonar yeah absolutely but i mean yeah I'm, i find it interesting i mean maybe they don't publicize it but like you don't see guys at least talk about throwing pointers anymore or re-ranges or anything like that i think the only one different that you see is like people are still throwing the strike in kvd the slasher because it's an entirely different and I think that's where the re-range was developed. The re-range is a very slashing warm water jerkbait. It is meant to cover a ton of water really fast. And that's the same thing with the KVD, the KVD jerkbait by striking. It's a slashing bait. So it's meant to be fished fast and erratic as to where like a 110 and a stunna, 
in my personal opinion, they fish better slower when you can get the kick out to the side relatively quick and pause it. That's when those two baits shine, but where the 110 will sit like horizontally in the water and it will slowly rise, the stunner will hold the stunner will hold horizontally and then just slowly fall. And that's the two big differences. Something really interesting. I don't know why I thought about this right now, but when Hank Cherry won his classic on Gunnersville, they're talking about some pretty cool tips, like small things you can do with the jerk bait to mm-hmm. catch more fish. Um, and he was talking about how there's a lot of fish. I mean, we you see it in clear water fisheries. I'm sure guys have seen it this week. Is these bass will shark your jerk bait, but they won't eat it until they get to the boat. Mm-hmm. Where he was saying one thing, Hank was saying was, don't like. Obviously, forward facing sonar helps with this, but like when it's right at the boat, don't like reel it in the last ten feet. Yeah, like, keep, keep working it. it to the boat. One thing he does though too is like, if you're able to like the if you have your system set right and the jerk bait has the right troubles and it's weighted like correctly, when you can get that bait to turn around and look at fish, you get bit. But one thing he does too is like, if I know a fish is looking at it. He goes, and especially on the pause where they're still looking at it, he goes, I lift my line slack a little bit, and that gets that jerk bait to rock up. And that sometimes can be like the triggering factor to get those fish to eat, which I thought was super cool. But the one thing, too, which I think applies to like, especially why you can get bit big swim baits. And I think this is a, a token from musky fishing is he changes direction of his jerk bait at the boat. Mm-hmm. Or like if he's, you know, you're jerking out of 45 going down the bank. He jerks towards the back of the boat when he gets to the boat. That way, it looks like that bait is is deflecting from the boat, whereas it's like fleeing. Yeah, where they they use like I mean, bass will eat at the boat because they think the boat is a wall. They use that as a pinch point to trap those fish. And I thought that was super cool when he mentioned that uh, that he'll change direction, uh, especially when he knows fish are looking at it, because that could be the simple trigger to get those fish to eat. Which I oh, that was just super cool. Like you see, guys do it now with swim baits. Like look at Brandon Polonik. Um, we talked about this the other day with oh, the yeah, mag draft on the Mississippi the River. The time right at the boat. Well, look, yeah, look at the Mississippi River. He literally started walking back to the boat with it, and then he got eight. He saw a bass tailing it, and started walking with his mag draft back to the boat, almost like figure eight in the fish. Which that's like a movement now that no one's talking about with big mm-hmm. swim baits. Like guys take it and they'll thrash it on top of the water like a uh, like a like a figure eight for a muskie on steroids, basically. Like. It just gets a reaction. You put cocaine like, in your glide bait, and that's essentially what these guys are doing. They're catching the fish like that. White powder for yeah, well, <laughs> you see it. You see it on like uh, when guys are fishing like bluff walls with swim baits. It's super cool. I don't know. I'm, I'm so intrigued by that. Where yeah. it's like we think bass are like we got to use six pound test, super long cast, which is true. But to <laughs> to an extent, when you ignite the true nature of a bass, when they're in feeding mode, they're they don't give eat. a crap. Nope. If I mean, look at the Alabama rig. Right. They're gonna eat when there's steel wire on the dang thing. I kind of want to digress. So for a second, go back to the jerk bait talk. Yeah, sorry, I got no. Totally you're good. I think there. the reason why <laughs> Hank Cherry ended up designing the stunner, if you go back and like listen to him talk about Gunnersville at the end, if I remember correctly, he upsized his trebles and went down to two treble hooks on that one ten plus one in the stain reaction color, so that he can make it slowly sink. And I think that's ultimately like a desired action from a jerk bait because it's something that they don't see all the time and now they're seeing it. So it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the jerk bait game changes again. Yeah. I think it'll keep improving. I, I think it's really good right now. I just think, uh, I think the jerk bait game from an improvement standpoint right now is going to, we're going to see is rods where I think there's good ones out there, but I think people are really going to dial in a, a good action for it. I mean, I guess maybe I'm speaking out of bias because I haven't really found a great one yet. The Alpha Angler Slasher is my favorite, but even that one's a little bit too in the stiff side, um, which we've talked about before, and we won't prelude anything. But um, I remember there was a great Bass University show with Hank after the Classic where he's talking about when a bait dies, which a jerk bait mimics a dying bait fish. When that bait fish dies, does it literally just suspend there and sit in that exact water column? No. What does it do? It moves around. It the falls. Current. Yeah. Or moves around the current. Yeah. I mean, literally, it like when a bait fish dies, it sinks for the most part. That is, makes exact sense why you want a sinking jerk bait. Yeah. 
So, I mean, in my mind, when he mentioned that, and that's why they went after the stunt the way they did, like it makes perfect sense. I mean, you're just making it more lifelike. I thought that was super intriguing. Where I also do understand that there definitely is a place, obviously, because the Vision 110, still, like, even though the guy's using Stunna now, I still think the Vision 110 is the best jerk bait ever made. But, like, that one, the action's so good on the Vision 110, but two, there's something about just holding a bait in front of a fish's face that'll piss it off. It's kind of yeah. like, especially when it sits there for three seconds looking at your jerk bait and you get a little, little pop up, which I think that's one thing, too, that forward facing sonar has really uh, done well for one. I mean, baits in general, but especially jerk baits is like people think, oh, like, you know, you have to have that 45 degree slashing motion on jerk baits or like playing on your rat setup. You can just do like small twitches, but it's still at a 45 where people really expose now that given your like a 90 degree vertical pops to change that direction of the jerk bait is what like there could be bites where they're only eating that yeah they'll entice it with your canal's been doing it a lot but he's jerking he'd be like down 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 all of a sudden he'd be up 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 down 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 it's just changing the direction i think four things and seven are the biggest reason why guys are doing that now because like you can get on a bite where that 45 you're you're in that comfortable motion is what draws those fish in but they won't eat it on that because they see all the time then you give them a little pop pop and like oh crap this bait's different you know what i mean One of my favorite things to do when I jerk bait fish is down, down, and on another pause, I'll kind of pull out to the side just to make it change direction and then come back down. I've never really experimented up, but I will pull out to the side. Expand on that. What do you mean? Pull aside. You know, you're working a jerk bait, pop, 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 and all of a sudden you just go pop to the side on your slack line. It makes it pull to the right or left. Oh, oh, okay. So you're just changing your rod angle. So you're slashing, you're slashing to the right. You just give it a little backhand. Yeah. Or forehead, like you're slapping it in the face, and you give a little back backhand. So exactly. Yeah. So when they talk dirty, <laughs> talk dirty. <laughs> give them the backhand. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, that's uh, a really good point. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the same track mind, right? As given that vertical. Yep, it's just changing direction, something that they're not accustomed to do it. And I and I will really do that, like if I'm fishing a group of smallmouth around us, and they're really aggressively eating it, and then they stop. After like four or five casts, I can't get one to eat. Then I'll start changing my rod direction to trying to get them to eat. And I have found when I pop up at like a 45 degree angle up to the side and it comes off a certain way, they will explode on it because it's just slightly different. Here's a question for you. No. All right. Never mind. That's all. That's the show for today, folks. We'll <laughs> see. <up? laughs> um, when you're, I mean, a lot of people have experienced it, but like when you're working a jerk bait or, like say even like a fluke and you can see whether it's forward facing sonar or visually, or you see them tail it to the boat, but they won't eat it. And you've tried a bunch of different things. What, what's your adjustment? Mm. I'll leave this full circle. Cause I have something I figured out last year. That was pretty cool. Um, if they won't eat it, the first thing that I'll try to do is change colors, honestly, or I'll throw a swim bait. Like, cause like they're chasing it or like what kind of swim bait are you talking Oh, I'll just like try to keep it off the bottom. So, like, if it's jerk bait, but a lot of times you're drawing them from the bottom up. So, you got fish that are feeding up. So, with the swim bait, I'll actually go up to like a 3.8 Kai Tech or a Cast Prodigy or a Rage Swimmer, whatever your swim bait is of choice, and something that's above their head and still getting them to come up and eat. And I'll go to a, like a lighter jig head on it, eighth ounce or a quarter ounce, and try to keep it up in the water column to come up and eat it. Or then I'll just go to a speed crank. That would be my third option to try to really get them to fire up. <laughs> yeah, that that was the cool thing I found, especially shallow fish, like six, seven foot or less. I figured out a deal last year where they were following. The, I caught one of jerk bait, had the last trouble, and then a bunch of them were with it, and they would keep following the jerk bait. They wouldn't eat it, and I tried a fluke that would sink a little bit, you know, be a little bit different. They follow it, wouldn't eat it. And I took a square bill and I burned the ever living lights out of it and they choked it. That's fun. It was awesome. And I was like, this is so cool. Cause I, I did that. I went to an Okashir head mm-hmm. and I caught like a dinker and then they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch it. They didn't even follow it. And I was like, I had a square bill already rigged up. I'm like, I'll just give it a fire and literally just burned the daylights out of it, hitting the ground, hitting the ground. And then it was like, Aah. I was like, yes. Yeah. One of the, most fun bites I've ever been on was in the morning. We were catching around a jerk bait 
and then they wouldn't eat anything. And I went to a swing head with like a venom dream crown. I was burning that on 20 pound tests and a flipping stick. And I could watch small mouth and large mouth come from like 20 feet away and just absolutely smoke it. Whenever I'd hit something, I'd pause and just poof. You're just like, oh my gosh, what a fun bite. That's only happened once ever for me, but it was the coolest bite I've ever had. The swing head, I feel like it's still such an overlooked bait. Yeah. Uh, because you could do so much with that thing. It's this, so it took me years after throwing it to realize that you actually the original intention for that was to swim it like a swim bait creeping on the bottom type of deal. I never realized that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I had always one, I it was my replacement for if they weren't gonna eat a football jig or something like that, or something different. Well, like I loved flipping with a swing head oh if you can like flipping a swing head around docks because you can skip a swing head pretty efficiently if oh, you yeah. have a light enough yeah. weight like docks that are like if you have a lake that doesn't have a ton of grass on it and they're eating crawfish like swimming along docks yeah and eat docks oh that's such a fun way to get them to bite it's, it's like especially if you're way. creeping on bottom too like i love fishing that thing offshore and if the flex grade it doesn't get hung up that easily yeah i mean especially because you can put an ewg on it uh, and that's why I loved flipping grass with it or even timber. I mean, now you have your ringed, mm-hmm. you know, your, you can, there's got, uh, I like, well, the VMC brands. ringed hook. All of them have it. Now, I, I don't like VMC. Although I am intrigued to try the new red line they came out with. Um, Anything these look really intriguing. Good. I, I've always been like very anti VMC besides the bladed treble and the uh, Nico hook they have. But beyond that, I've always been very gammy uh, owner. You know, I've I've been dwelling into or diving into Hayabusa as of lately, uh, as well as Ichikawa, which that's a whole episode in itself. Um, but uh, VMC, yeah, the new red line stuff looks super interesting. I want to give that give that a rip. But and Omnia has them, so you can save that's right some percentage off if you do want to check. They, them out. they have all the new red line stuff, um, which I actually I ordered some. I have some at my house, so Ooh. by the time I get home, it's gonna be like Christmas for me. Christmas in. March, right really. we're trying to gear up for santee cooper here in a couple weeks um what i was trying to get at though is like i i really really love the gammy one gammy's got a really good ring dwg it's i will say though the only downside of it is i went through my crazy the the hook points roll so easy on those mm. uh so i did order some owners i haven't got a chance to use them yet but actually i think hayabusa's got one which i want to try um actually and on this rabbit hole of terminal tackle <laughs> I think it was Ichikawa. I have to double check my order. It's either Ichikawa or Hayabusa has a what is it called? It's like a it's an EWG, but it's an offset EWG. But like the offset is so much higher, the hook point is so much higher than the eyelet. Like we talk about that all the time, mm-hmm. how important that is. And so I ordered that. It's like the it's called like a beefed up. Like I'll have to find it here. Uh, it's on Omnia Fishing. And dude, I think the VMC Redline they came out with that too. Because I think that's what you're showing me yesterday. Yeah, it looked really good. It's very similar, but this one's like super it's beefed super up. Super pronounced. Let me see. Right? Here we go. I'm bringing it up here. Here we go. Gamagatsu ring, Superline EWG. That's one I ordered. I ordered four more packs. Here we go. Ichikawa muscle wide gap. That's what it was. Oh, I can see it right there yeah. in the picture how open it is. I can't pull it up here. That, um, that looks good. I saw that, dude, and I'm like, dude. Yep, I got to get some. Yeah. I'm like that could be that could be the deal. I know some people swear by like round bends, which I love round bends for like sankos and stuff like that. But there's some people that swear by round bends for a lot of things. That I, I can't get by. I can't. Yeah, I'm, get with. I'm the same way. Like only time I really fish round bend hook, an original worm round bend is like a speed worm or a sanko. That's about it. What's your take on uh, the new brand Spearpoint? haven't tried them yet so i can't give like a definite conclusion on my thoughts but it's interesting it's very intriguing if you guys haven't seen them they have a very interesting bend to the shank of that hook that is intended on once you get them it's very hard for them to shake that because it it essentially creates when you hook them and hook them good it creates a pinch point almost kind of in a sense to like that trapper tackle deal just about to do you remember the trapper yeah but those sucked yeah those were because they were like squared as to where the spear point they made a it kind of like rounded it out a little bit. Yeah, so. and I and they actually have a really good blunt point on them. Uh, I've used them once. Um, I'm actually going to trial and experiment with them here a little bit just to see if that actually that thing does work. It's so easy to knock something that's new and so different, but I just want to keep that open mind and actually try it. But like 
there's guys now, dude, that are pretty big names that swear by them, and they're working for them. Like, I mean, Justin Hamner's a big spear point mm-hmm. guy. They have some big name pros on their team that are repping spear point. Um, it's intriguing. I'm excited yeah. to try them. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get some and try them out this year. Because If anyone's tried them. Yeah, please leave down yeah. in the comments below. And also, I want to throw in there, too, is like, you know, the one thing I think that the fishing industry is lacking in, in innovation-wise, is like terminal tackle storage. And I'm curious what all of our viewers and listeners do to store, like, hooks and stuff to keep them from dowling out and rattling around in their standard tackle terminal boxes, like, if you do anything differently, please let us know. We'd be very mm-hmm. intrigued to see and try it out ourselves if you think it keeps the hooks. We'll give you the credit. Shape. Yeah, we'll, we'll 100% give you the credit. So that's uh, something I'm, I've been intrigued by. I've done a bunch of different things, and I have not found a single way that I like to store hooks. Yeah, I'm changing up my process completely. I just ordered, that new, like I was telling you, the new Spro box that just came out. Actually, I don't think it just came out. I think it came out last year. I can't remember when it's, it's newer, I should say. Uh, and I'm going the route of not taking my hooks out at all. Yeah. So I ordered a bunch of jewelry bags too, like the little, I think it's like a two inch by four inch deal. Um, putting all my hooks, I'm going to have them literally in the packaging in that bigger, like taller from a standpoint for my terminal box. Um, Cause my solution right now is not good. Um, hooks, some hooks are starting to rust. Like it's just not good from a longevity standpoint and you get hooked, you know, hooks that rub against each other. I want to, or, you know, Again, like we talked about it yesterday's on yesterday's show, it's fine tuning that process, even like the small variables like that. Where when you think about it in the grand scheme, especially when you want to be as proficient as you can, uh, remove all of the mistakes, and especially from a tournament standpoint, like one lost fish can ruin your entire weekend. Yep. Where that could be the culprit of it, as simple as not having as great a storage as you could. You know, hooks rubbing on each other and not taking the time to one realize it too when you're tying it on, uh, assuming that it's just good to go. And then say the hooks roll a little bit or dull because it's been rubbing against each other. That could be a player in yeah. losing those fish. Whereas, like, if I do this solution, it helps me try to uh, solve, I guess, that facet of it, right? Of that facet of pre- uh, preparation keeps me more organized in regards to it's less looking. Uh, amongst these different hooks and things i know exactly where it's at i know exactly the size where there there is sometimes dude like if you don't keep like the labels you don't have a labeling system you just put it in your tackle box where yeah, it's like you're like ah wait is that a three out or is that a four out because yeah. some hooks are hard to tell oh yeah it's some, a three out three out of the same size as some other companies four odds exactly it's just it's all over the place i mean there, and there's times too where it's like especially this is a really really for like uh my my owner um cover shots i love an owner cover shot for especially drop shot and like yeah. robo worms and grass and such like a two watt versus a three watt that you, you put them together obviously you can see the difference but there's times where you're looking at them just like eyeball and you're like i uh, cannot tell yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I know your pains <laughs> exactly um especially when we're dialing in like so many different new brands because that's the cool part about not having, you know, like a terminal sponsor, especially is we just get to tinker all the time yeah. and find out what we think is best. And I'm just really, got a great selection of yeah. a lot of terminal brands, especially like us. We nerd out us too. And Deacon, we nerd out on Ichikawa's Hayabusa. Like we're going down the rabbit hole. Ryugi, I know you're a big fan of Love Ryugi hooks. Yeah. Ecoy is another really good company for hooks. Um, I'm going to be surprised when BKK starts making a bigger splash too, because I heard their hooks are really They got good. some really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to get Greg De Palma here on the show after he's won his event. He just talked about the new Nomad trap Ooh. that he won on the Nomad design, which I didn't realize was a bait company by their profile picture. I thought it was like a, like some tech deal. So here's the thing with Nomad. I believe it is underneath the tree of Mustad. Interesting. Yeah. The traps look great. Mm-hmm. They almost kind of have like that Excalibur-esque profile to them. Yeah. Uh, but he they, won that Gunnersville tournament on that, and he was using BKK trebles. Ooh. That's what he mentioned. But to speak on the Nomad, too, I know they came out with three different style traps, one that like rips real good, one that's a straight retrieve, and I think one of them like is might be a slow floater or it has an entirely different design than I've ever seen. I did order from Omnia some of the new... I keep saying new, god damn it. They're new to me. 
the IMA floating. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what they're called. They're I not used new them at yet. all. They've been out for like 10, 15 years. Yeah. So please excuse my rambling. But yeah, I didn't mean to say yeah, new. the suspending ones, right? Like, yeah. I haven't it, thrown them yet, but it's, I'm very intrigued. Very interesting. Oh, if anyone's used them, please let me know. But I, I love that experiment stuff. It's just, uh, I don't recommend doing the experimenting when you're either practicing for a tournament or <laughs> during the tournament, obviously. Right. <laughs> you know, stick to your guns. Oh, yeah. If you have time to go out and fun fish and experiment, that's when you do it. Never do it during a tournament because yeah. you'll lose, you'll waste time. And you might lose a fish. You're going to get all mad and you can't. And I don't want you guys coming back and blaming us for telling you to do something. Nah, so. Blame us. <laughs> we'll take the fall for it. <laughs> yeah. that I guess that's part of our, our process, right? Is like teaching people, but sometimes what we teach might not be the correct thing for that person. Well, that's what we always pump, right? Is like, we are not experts. We are experts in being annoying and talking too much. And, lear- and continuing to learn. Yeah, I mean, we're just bringing you guys on our learning process. Bring That's why we bring on guests, because <laughs> we're not the greatest at this stuff but easily, yeah. uh, as you guys can tell. That's why we bring on people like who's on the screen right now. You're not, you're our not episode the greatest, with, dude? Like, what? Hell no. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trash. Like That's why we bring on Brent Ayler, who's on live right now. That's mm-hmm. why we bring Brent Ayler on. That's why we bring... On Josh Bertrand, who's oh, he doesn't have a fish today. Come on, Josh, You're supposed to back us up here. Mm. I swear, I swear, Josh knows what he's doing. Um, that's why I bring on those guys that actually know what they're doing, <laughs> so they can talk to you, so you guys can learn from them. We're learning from them, uh, and we're just kind of giving you our perspective. So, like again, I mean, I think all the pros will tell you the same thing that I'll tell you right now is that if you are, if you are listening to what we're saying, or you're listening, or you're watching a YouTube video on you know learning something about fishing or tackle you can take note of it but make sure you go and try to apply it yourself on the water and get your formulate your own opinions on them do not take what you learn from anybody as as like the law like it's not a hundred percent it's not black and white be able you can put your own spin on it obviously you know when kevin van Dam's talking to you about speed cranking you could definitely take that to heart yeah but still go out there and put your own spin on things and it might only work for kevin the way kevin fishes it because he has the utmost confidence and that's the way he found he likes to fish yeah it. that's probably a bad example because i don't think many people can fish like Kevin. no my forearms would be like burned to the ground after a half hour so. <laughs> we were talking yesterday watching kevin on live throwing a jerk bait we're like dude his left forearm's got to be much bigger than his right <laughs> for the way that dude works a jerk bait like i would only last like maybe 15 minutes yeah he's nuts and he's been doing it for years like 30 years fishing it like that it's just insane yeah i mean that's just uh, i mean we've talked about that before though on jerk bait shows we don't have to dive down it but like for that reason specifically that's why i go to a little bit stiffer of a jerk bait rod that way i don't have to rip it that hard small twitches and that's like where the stun is good stun is not really a great one to like rip yeah, you know that's one soft, that's like really good salt, uh, soft twitches to it, especially with the correct rod setup, and it, that thing will work. It's magic. I swear with the re range, you really need to snap. Oh yeah, you get the crack that baby. Yeah, and it sounds like you're cracking your rod every time you cast that. If you buy a re range, we will forewarn you when you cast it, you did not break your rod. I promise. <laughs> or the bait did not go flying off of your line snaps. It sounds like all three mixed into one sound, but it sounds that like baby cracking can cast a, whip. a mile. Yeah, 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 I can. That's for dang sure. Well, folks, we are coming up on an hour here. Andy and I are going to go do some uh, exploring of the city. Going to go check out the expo before the show opens tomorrow. Uh, so, again, if you guys are in town, come check us out at the X2 Power Booth. Uh, we're going to be you know, pumping up our socials throughout the weekend. Uh, we've been putting a lot of content out, obviously, since we've been here. Hope you guys are following along and enjoying that. If you don't follow us yet, you can, we're on everything, freaking platform, uh, on at Serious Angler. Uh, you can come check us out. Slide in the DMs uh andy and i are very prevalent on there 24 7 probably too much honestly yeah but, honestly yeah. <laughs> but uh if you guys can be around come say hi to us uh say hi to us whatever i'm losing my train of thought here but basically what i'm saying is uh show is over for today we will get you guys a recap of second day of mlf redcrest tomorrow for friday's episode and uh andy anything else before we uh wrap this show up no, I'm just excited to watch this through the day, and I'm really excited to see everyone at the expo who's coming out to Charlotte. It'll be good to see everybody. It's always great to be almost like post-COVID life and actually having some normality, so it's cool. 
Yeah, I feel like we got a little glimpse of that last year with Classic. Oh, 100%. Sure. But it just seems like every year it's getting a little better and better. So every Yeah, day. let's be honest. COVID doesn't exist. That's fair. It was all media hype. But we won't go in that rabbit hole either. <laughs> that obviously exists. We're not. Yes. Okay, yeah. We'll just. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so, mission aborted. Um, mission aborted. Digress, well, I will say. Digress. Yeah. I will <laughs> say uh, we do have a cool show. We're going to try to get Lou Minetti on tomorrow with us. Uh, before the expo starts, so Luminetti as well as uh, one other special guest, we haven't figured out if he's going to join us yet or not. Uh, he's, he's, he's up to the wifey, I guess, if he can come hang out with his friends. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah. hopefully he doesn't listen. Like, oh, he's listening. That's why I said it. Just to <laughs> throw dirt in his face. Um, obviously, you guys will find out. Uh, that's the cool thing about this setup is we can do four different mics on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see you tomorrow. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode, and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners, where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.